1: Hey, welcome to the 311th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is
0: brought to you by patrons Scott Burkhardt, Bright Chase, Michael Brown, and Derek Aiello. I'm Matt Enlow, And I'm Warren Kaplan, and today we are talking all about casting and what Matt and I like to do during casting sessions. Tips, tricks, uh, how to find good actors, how to get good performances. It's an awkward forum, as we all know and we have some thoughts on things that make it go better and things uh, that even we could do better but before we get into that i've been dying to know matt what have you been working on lately yeah buddy well i have been uh, shooting a ton of
1: commercials and writing a bunch of commercials and the 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 commercial stuff has been going really well and um uh, i don't know if you're uh, if you watch uh, basic cable or hulu but um there's a drive time campaign that I wrote
0: that is on
1: heavy, heavy rotation right now. That's pretty fun to
0: see. Oh, cool. Did you um, write this one, drive time in a dealership? Yep. Oh, cool. I think I have seen that one. But besides that, I'm, I've am i been um, full tilt on the movie as well,
1: which has been uh, fun and exciting. I'm into budgeting conversations and casting conversations um, before <laughs> we kind of go out to... Potential companies, investors, etc. basically.
0: And this is your movie. And just to remind our listeners, this is the movie that I made a bet with you that you will not make this year mm-hmm. because you're going to be too good of a husband slash dad mm-hmm. to go out and make it. Yeah.
1: One of the big uh, issues with it, not issues, but uh, complications relative to the major life changes that I've had over this last year, um, having a family now. Uh is that this film takes place in either like Albuquerque or potentially Austin, not Los Angeles most likely, almost definitely. It's it's written for kind of a a suburban like southwestern. Maybe even Arizona would be fun actually. Um but originally it was for New Mexico because of tax credit purposes. Right. Um which means that I'd be gone for uh, at least a month you know we're we're budgeted for 20 days right now and so that's not counting scouting prep ball, any of that stuff and so uh especially if we end up shooting in austin i was talking to my wife over the weekend about like we'd probably essentially move to austin for two months right that'd be fun it would be fun it'd be hopefully so fun. you guys can keep it weird <laughs> yeah Uh, You know, the secret to keeping a city weird, Uh, keeping rent cheap enough for artists to live there. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the secret. That's why there's no weird cities left. That's true. That's Um, true.
0: I'm looking at you, San Francisco. So, Matt, what are the odds that you're going to win the bet that you will shoot your movie this year? Well, you know,
1: um, it's funny. I uh, initially I had planned on just jumping into fundraising at the beginning of this year and then kind of on a whim reached out to a company that I've known. And we've like tried to work together a few times and you know, it was close a few times anyway. And so the thing that I think tends to slow movies down, that thing of like getting other parties involved and going out to people and this and that, um, is happening right now. So the upside is that if things go well, then i find really great partners and they introduce me to to more money and more players and bring me some legitimacy and a a little bit of heat basically a little bit of um buy-in basically so if everything goes well it it could still happen this year for sure though the the mentality that i'd had prior to this deal had been like i'm just going to fundraise the money and we will shoot it this year so that because they pushed back that timeline a little bit it's a little harder for me to say "Yo, i'm gonna shoot it this year uh for sure but i'm still
0: looking at october yeah i'm still looking at october to shoot really and when you say you're looking at october what does that mean you like are telling people you're not available in october well the good news is No one's trying to to book
1: me in (laughs) October But I have told you know um, My company that like This is something that's in the cards for me And that like I'm actively pursuing And I will keep them in the loop on it And you know I'm really fortunate in that like um, All of the players You know are involved in In their own TV and feature business as well You know like And also you know you kind of you make commercials to pay the bills and to have fun and to practice and stuff in between those projects, because everybody has the same sort of challenges of like writing an awesome screenplay and then, you know, getting people to say, yes, it's greenlit or yes, I want to be in it or whatever. All that stuff does take time. So, but I am pushing towards an October shoot date. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Well, I, you know, I both hope that you do shoot your movie I guess maybe I hope you shoot it January first, so I like win, win the bet officially. Um, hey,
1: listen, if uh, if I shoot January first and I owe you a hundred bucks, fine, you'd be
0: happy. Good. Deal. And then, yeah. does having a kid like have any effect on that? That like knowing? Remember the the
1: the big difference between our lives right now is that your your kid is six and mine is four months old, right? And so mine this weekend learned that there were other children who exist do you know what i mean like like her her life is very uh isolated or insular and very go with the flow she like you know she plays and she we walk around and and you know that she doesn't have a schedule or 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 a say at all in in what (laughs) what happens to her or what her life is like. Whereas your daughter has friends and would miss them if she had to move to Australia for six months or w- whatever, you know, like it, it's a bigger disruption. And so I want to take
0: advantage of that, you know? Yeah. And but in October, your daughter will be uh, nearly one, really right, one will be yeah. one. She'll be crawling, walking, maybe doing mm-hmm. things. And like, she's going to need full time someone watching her full time. Mm-hmm. So you, yes. you can either bring her with you into Austin and if you're shooting there. Well, that's what we would do. Yeah, we we would bring her with us to Austin. And then you would have 0 minutes per day to take care of her. <laughs> well, I think um I think that we would
1: It's an ongoing conversation, but we would find help in Austin. Basically, we'd find childcare in Austin so that my wife can work on the film as well. And you know, I found that um having i love taking care of my kid and um i would prefer to do that full-time for sure um and like right in the evenings or something like that but i have found that when we do get help it um helps me refocus and become a more attentive parent when i do have to take over basically
0: yeah I have two friends. One actually just heard the story this past weekend, but they both went away for like three months to work on a movie like right after their, you know, pretty soon after their kid was born when their kid was like under a year old. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was very, very rough. And they both took like six months off work afterwards to basically make up for it. Um, Oh,
1: yeah. 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 You mean they didn't see their kid for the duration of the film. And then they were like, Oh no, I'm going to be with them for six months thereafter.
0: Yeah. But it's less about the kid. Kind of like you mentioned more about the spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, sure.
1: Part of things.
0: It's the like, Hey, we've just made this human and now you're leaving me alone with this human. And it's actually pretty, pretty hard Hard. to be all alone with a kid. Um, Yeah. So anyway, Let's see. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for my money. Can't wait (laughs) to lose it in some fantastic way. Yeah, there you go. Well, Oren, uh, yeah, I'm dying to know what have you been working on lately? Well, I had, I had a pretty cool day today. Um, I'm just gonna tell you about three things. I mean, none, none of them are like super awesome uh, on their own, but, uh, I did. We have a listener. Her name is Sarah Bimji, and she is uh, a patron. Or
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I recognize uh, I the name.
0: Believe she's a patron right now. She is running a film production program at a college in the Bay Area, and I was a guest speaker uh, talking about visual effects for an hour and mm-hmm. it was really fun. Um a lot of the students asked me questions. I showed them shots I was working on it. It was over Zoom, so mm-hmm. about half of them were in the class together and the other half were on Zoom. And so I could you share just my broke screen NDAs left and right. <laughs> I did ask them to stop recording the Zoom <laughs> because I wanted to show them some things. But uh but yeah, it was It was really fun. It reminded me like why I I liked visual effects, you know, and we talked about like why I would use Photoshop or After Effects and how long a shot takes to do and um, just the just the idea that every director nowadays needs to know visual effects. So that was really fun. And then I also had a meeting today with uh, Temple Hill again, you know, on this Mm -hmm. scripted podcast project that somehow got to them. And I I believe I talked about on the podcast before. And Temple Hill, they are, you know, a a company. They're probably most famous for kind of uh, being the company behind Twilight and The Maze Runner and The Hate You Give and Love, Simon. Um, But so they're not only involved in in movies, but they're also involved in books. And um, an interesting thing that came out of our meeting today is that they are in, they're very interested in us maybe taking our idea and like writing a book out of it instead of starting with the audio project. Um, and so it's, it's a tricky thing to figure out because, you know, writing a book, it seems very daunting <laughs> to mm-hmm. me. It's mm-hmm. not something I have any experience in and my writing partner, Julie has written a couple of children's books, but they're like real, like, like for like, like five-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we're trying to figure out on one hand, we have this opportunity where this company that is like making some of the best, putting out the best YA content out there, you know, mm-hmm. um, interested in us writing a book based on this idea that we pitched them in this podcast that we recorded already. Uh, but on the other hand, like, Uh, sitting down and writing a book and now like if we we would need to make a book proposal and I don't know it's just uh that's very funny it's daunting you know what what uh strikes me
1: about it that that would be a unique challenge is less the the sitting down and and because you you know you sit down and write treatments all the time you sit down and you know work on a bazillion vfx shots you like pitch all the time you know all of that stuff um but it is a different process and I think that your discovery and your experimentation is all in the kind of post-production and editorial sphere, right? Like you love to record things and then do basically a rewrite in post and then even I think on this podcast you went back and picked things up and added new elements and, and you know... Yeah, try things out. Yeah, try things out. And that's how writing is as well, but it is a different physical act.
0: You know what I mean? Well, this is what that's what I told the guy. I was like I was this, the stuff that gets me excited is working with actors, thinking about mm-hmm. the sound design, like the production of the whole thing, you know, like discovering things. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be in the situation where Julie is writing the book and I'm mm-hmm. And Not, you're like, I can't you know, wait to add some cool Foley to this scene when it's a <laughs>
1: podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he said, you know, send us, send me the script that you wrote for the podcast first. Mm-hmm. Let, let's look at that. Let me read that. Let And let's kind of figure out what the next move is. And we asked him, like, what are the pros and cons? Like if we go podcast first, because the reason podcast would be a great place to start is because Audible is interested in the project and they, mm-hmm. like, we already have a buyer, you know, right. more or less if, if that's good. And we can get everyone on board. And so making a podcast and then turning it into a book seems easier to us. But from his point of view is like the, the book just has such a bigger potential to reach people. Like, it's like, you know, libraries will have it. Kids can read it at the library. It can Mm -hmm. be translated in different Mm -hmm. languages. It can be all over the world. If it's a hit, the audio segment, the TV show, the movie all comes out of it. But I'm really scared Because I feel like it's such a crowded space, the YA novel space. Well, I think the the flip side is, though, like hit podcasts,
1: like you can really name only a handful of blockbuster, honest to goodness, like hit podcasts. Whereas like, you know, there's always a couple big, big books a year, you know, in, in each genre, in each space, you know, keep us posted.
0: I will. Um. We shall see, uh, we shall see what happens. Um, and so the, the last big thing that happened to me today is I got offered this job. I got offered a pitch on a job and I feel like i would have a pretty good chance. I think it's like, would it be me and one other director up for it. And it's something that I feel like I could do really easily. I have on my reel. It's like working with kids and
1: mm-hmm.
0: bright fun things for a very big sports apparel company. Um, and it would pay a lot of money. Like it would be my best paying job of all time. Like in a month Mm -hmm. I would make Mm -hmm. like, you know, 50% of what I need to make in a year, (laughs) um, for a one week shoot in LA and then three weeks of remote shooting with like all these famous athletes around the world. Interesting. Um, and, and I turned it down. Um, and it was because, It it would be like the 11th season of this show, this episodic show, Mm -hmm, mm kind of like a digital show, kind of, I think it it premieres on YouTube. The episodes are like 10 minutes each or something. And it just seemed like a few years ago, I would jump on that opportunity. It's episodic. It has like a giant Mm -hmm. brand. It has an audience working with like famous athletes, like, and they really want to go wild with the cameras or like drones, cranes, like what crazy angles can we get? That's like one of their asks for like the treatment. Um, but I, I just realized that that's like a kid competition show is not like what I'm interested in building my Mm -hmm. career on. So it would be a month of work. I'd knock myself out of any other opportunities. And even though it's a lot of money it it would not probably go on my website, it would not go on my Mm -hmm. reel and it wouldn't build my career in any way. So I turned it down. So I don't know. It's just, Hey, congrats, man. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like we're in this place, especially in Los Angeles right now, because um, production has been shut down kind of for like two years and it's just like exploding. There's just so much stuff being shot all the time and people are really excited to get back to work and rates are going up and inflation Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So like the job that's like, Hey, that's a really good payment. And with a really good brand, like, like we're, we're in a place where we have, we can be a little pickier with the jobs we take. Um, and it's, it's good. So I'm calling it like the, the year of no, uh, (laughs) and I'm excited to turn down pride. I'm sure like in a week I'll be like, "Ah, I'm never going to work again. Sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's a, that's the, the last thing that happened today that I feel good about. Um, and I will not think about how much money I'm missing out on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, but you
0: know, yeah. you know, easy come, easy go. Yeah, sure. Easy go, at least.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very easy go. <laughs> Great catching up, Oren. But oh, before we get into our main topic, uh, we need to remind people about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Just Shoot It Pod is the place that you can go to throw us a couple bucks. If you've ever been like, ah, oh, dang, I'd love to treat Matt and Oren to a beer or a cup of coffee or a rotisserie chicken or even some vegan nuggets, whatever, <laughs> whatever's clever. Um Patreon is the way Dude. that you can symbolically do that. Trainer Joe's has some really good chicken nuggets. More importantly, patreon.com slash just is the place where you can buy us some virtual vegan chicken nuggets. But actually, most of the money goes to our good pal Noah, who is doing a great job editing the show, keeping the show alive um, and getting all of the logistical stuff that uh, costs us money out of the way. So um, help us out. Just shoot it pod. On Patreon is the place to help us out. And if you uh, subscribe at the $15 level, we'll send you a Just Shoot up hat. So now, Oren. Yes. Let's talk casting.
0: Yeah. So I have a casting session tomorrow. It is, I mean, casting sessions are so freaking long, right? They are.
1: They are. Um, and we're speaking mostly about Zoom sessions because that's the way the wind is blowing currently. We'll see if we end up back in, in person or not. But in I person, have a they're
0: super long too, right? Yes, yes. How many, so in a callback, not for a feature film, not where you're trying to get super emotional scenes or whatever, but for either a commercial or a mm-hmm. short or something where you, you're Someone trying to and see and a says, lot of people. Like we're uh, going to see 44 people tomorrow, I think, at the callback. Yeah, that is brutal. That's how many a lot of people? How many, well, and for four different roles, potentially eight roles. We're not sure yet. Um, how many minutes do you need? per actor
1: on average yeah on average I'm gonna say six yeah interesting Um, however the reason I clarified on average is that once you're up and running you you've done done it a couple times and you've kind of worked through the kinks of like what it is you're trying to say to people like it's a little bit faster and also your search narrows and all of a sudden you realize you know I've, i thought that i was really opening open to like all sorts of different types of people but i'm really looking for a 15 year old person or whatever or a, a redhead or you know um because you know you know that you cast a brunette in the previous role and so you the point is that they need to contrast in some way or whatever you you just you just you know things start to uh winnow away and so you can get a little faster with churning through the people who you know in the back of your head or nose.
0: well yeah so we have i think five minutes per person but i always i always ruin that like i i spend so much time i'm like i'm the worst and casting directors. Like, no, the ones that I work with enough know that I have this problem. And so they try to build in like buffers and breaks Mm -hmm. and things so that we can blow right through them.
1: Which is also really good because sometimes you just need to check your phone. You know, there's a lot of emails coming in while you're casting, you know. Yeah. So like maybe you do actually get to one of those breaks as well. That's That's not so bad. Right. Because unlike, I think, a lot of other players, we don't get to look at our phones or do much of anything. We're kind of on the whole time, which is to your point of like why an all day session is truly exhausting.
0: Yeah. As the director, I mean that, you know, there are directors that they don't do anything like the casting associates run the whole audition and they just sit there and eat their sandwich and drink their Frappuccino and write notes. Like there are directors that don't do anything. I would love to, learn
1: why they decide to do that.
0: Yeah. Or, or, or they'll just come in they'll be like, okay, let's see it. And then they'll be like, let's try it again. But maybe a little bit, you know, like you don't care about what you're saying or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Like they'll give one direction adjustment. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Um, like there are directors like that. I'm sure, you know, we both of our wives are actors. And so I know Kara's, she's been to callbacks where the director's like, uh, you know, not paying attention i mean mm-hmm. it's uh it's tricky but i think you and i especially we do a lot of comedy we want to have see what relationship our... really cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com Relationship with each actor can be like we want yeah. to talk to them. Yeah, yeah. So I think <laughs> um, uh,
1: we've we've outlined eight different uh, topics, tips, tricks, strategies uh, to make the most of your audition and get the best cast that you possibly can. And I think um, they'll help us sort of articulate a lot of the different techniques that we use to. Um, efficiently and effectively get the most out of the six minutes you have with each actor.
0: Yeah. So let's go, let's go to number one, Matt. So uh, I have become obsessed with
1: the breakdown. What's, what's a breakdown. So a breakdown um, for the uninitiated is the blurb that explains what the character is and what the spot is to the actor. It's the context that they are given to get going. And oftentimes a casting director will also add, you know, perhaps, uh, the great ones will add like a, they'll do a self tape themselves to kind of a show exactly what the framing is supposed to look like and this and that, and, and give a sense of tone and all that. And maybe even an example of an audition. Um, and at the very least they'll give like the specs of like what things are, how things are supposed to be recorded and all that. But the thing that I have the most control over is, what the actors get to read and it is the thing that you're not talking about the script you're talking about the description of the role the the description of the role and then also what the therefore what the the casting directors are reading when they're looking for people and also what the agents are reading when they're looking to submit their clients and so i've become like i said pretty obsessed with it the more more clear you can be with your br- breakdown the better off everything else is going to be This the most important thing and it is the very first step in terms of getting casting right and so i've developed a handful of like code words specifically for um casting people you know like i hit me what are some of the code words telegenic right is a is a you good want to tell for, an actor that you want them to be telegenic no but i'm saying i must be telegenic but unique looking Distinct looking right so that's kind Of like the way I, I would say Of Trying to find someone who is appealing Pretty Nice to look at but not A model Right like I I Am almost always looking for someone Who has something That makes them a little unique a little bit Of a character maybe A, a large feature big eyes Or nose or fun hair or, or freckles, something that makes them stand out. Because what, if you just say te- telegenic or good looking or whatever.
0: I mean, no one writes rest. good looking, do they? Um, I mean, unless it's like, unless it's part of the plot, unless it's like, must be a, you know. Model types. Yeah, yeah. But yeah,
1: But oftentimes yeah. that is part of it, right? Like if we don't, we don't cast models typically because we're looking for people who, are funny and why would you bother learning to be funny if you're gorgeous unless you're or people and ask me that um. all the time yeah <laughs> um but so but yeah definitely you'll get like must and there are code words for that i just don't know them it's like athletic must be built you know etc cetera, et cetera, right there's all all that stuff um but so you know i want to make sure that it's Flattering So that someone is like oh yeah I, I am that person But, but again that we're, I'm looking for people Who are unique looking That stand out in a crowd That aren't just Generically good looking Because we've got so many of those So that's one um, here's, here's one that actually That I'd love for you to weigh in um, mm-hmm. People will often say Make it your own Or improv a plus In comedy That'll be like the tag at the end. Right.
0: Groundlings UCB experience preferred. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. And lately I would write that and then I would get people who are really pushing, really trying too hard, going off the rails. Not that they're not funny. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're not. That's immaterial in this case. But it's like, guys, I need a button. Like when I say make it your own, I mean, do the script exactly word for word and then tweak the joke in a slight way at the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess what I do is I say do a take as scripted and do a take mm-hmm. that's your own. But to be honest, I like never write the breakdown. I haven't written a breakdown in in a, in a years. I just like talk to the casting director on the phone and mm-hmm. tell them, what I'm imagining and you know a lot of times I'll have scent references or like a f- a famous actors that are kind of capture the vibe or the tone it's something that
1: I've just started doing again I did it at the very beginning of my career and I'm doing it again now because honestly I got pretty frustrated with the people that were coming in it's worse when it's like oh everyone is consistently wrong in the same way which mm-hmm. means that something was miscommunicated. Yes. But but more importantly... Or that the
0: script's not good. I mean, that's like I don't my... care
1: who's wrong. I don't care whose fault it is. Honestly, most of the time it's mine. But it's my problem no matter what. So right. taking it upon myself to get more hands-on... We're talking about writing, you know, a, two blurbs for every character. It's certainly something that I can make the time for. And I think casting in, in comedy in particular, but in anything... It's kind of the most important thing, you know, the spots that I'm working on now, if I don't get a great cast in a few of these spots, they're dead in the water, you mm-hmm. know. And so I, I become more and more obsessed in controlling over what is explicitly being described so that we get the best possible people. Right. Any other code words? I say don't push I say naturalistic. I say grounded. And I say uh, I'll ask for two takes, one that's slightly heightened and one that is deadpan. I will say deadpan now Mm -hmm. is almost always what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's good. I'll also uh, make sure that people know that no matter what, the product is good. So if you're having a problem with the product with the you're having a product it's still appealing still light it's still funny it's still charming don't ever play the negative version of whatever the take could be i will almost always explain because that's the other thing is like i've seen great actors who are doing a good job but who are just like you know playing it authentically enough that it feels a little icky and that it's hard to sell that to the client
0: yeah yeah i mean and a lot of times that's when you realize the script just doesn't work because the actors can't perform it in a way that seems Mm -hmm. flattering to the product. Um, or even in a short film or anything you're making, like, like it's such a enlightening process to see if people can say the words that you wrote. And if they can't, then you probably did not. They're probably not great words. (laughs) Yeah. Let me say one more thing about these breakdowns
1: actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned, and this is... I picked up from Jordan Brady once upon a time. You have to be explicit, right? If you write 20s to 30s or or open ethnicity or open to all or whatever, mm-hmm. you're going to get a ton of everybody. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're looking for like a Filipino 32-year-old bro, yeah. say so. Right? Because otherwise you're going to end up getting so many bros from all different walks of life and different ages and stuff. And then you just – the likelihood that you're going to get the one that you're looking for is much lower because you're reading 45 people who are not specifically the person you're looking for. Yeah. So just say so,
0: you know. Yeah. And obviously everything we're talking about until now is like when – the actors do the first audition before the callback. So you're not with them Uh, nowadays. They're usually putting them on tape and sending them to you pre COVID. They would come and they would just audition with the casting director without you. So yeah, all useful things. Um, Something that I'm not good at, but I should be better at. I just feel guilty is if someone has the wrong look, like on the first frame, you don't need to like watch their whole audition, but I always do. I'll like at least pop around the audition a little bit Mm -hmm, to see like, mm -hmm. maybe there is something, you know, I, I like, like to give everyone a chance. Um, and I heard this director one time talk to actors about auditions and he said, when you come into the audition room, you know, a lot of actors think that directors don't care. They're just like dismissive. They're not giving them a chance. Like they almost see us as like us against them and they have to break us and, and win the part. Like it's a competition. Um, Which, you know, in a way it is a competition, but as directors, we would, we want to fall in love with every actor that comes in. We want to have a hundred amazing actors that we don't know who to choose. It's Um, only a competition in so much as there's only one role, but that is literally the only way I think of it as a competition. Right. And for what it's worth, I, when I, I've tried to cast people and it hasn't worked, like, you know, ended up, they ended up not getting the role. And I've like gone back to them or I've been told casting directors like, Oh, bring back that person we saw for this role, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like making a good impression. Like we want, we love actors and we want to like you if you're an actor. So just know that, um, it's not us against you. Uh, so maybe we should hop into number two. Um, this is a real quick one. This applies really only to zoom auditions when you're doing a live audition on a zoom or on a Google meet or whatever video, uh, just make sure right at the beginning, if the camera angle is bad, if the sound is bad, if the lighting is bad, you, you got to tell the actors like right away, like, hey, you know, a lot of actors they will use their laptop and it's on a desk and they're standing up and it's just pointing right up at them and it's not flattering and it's just a waste of time to do that audition. Mm-hmm. So I, I love this one. So you're saying like, ho oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Like, hey, how's you it going? Change. Nice to meet you. Can you lift your laptop up? And if they're like, oh, yeah, let me go get something. I'll be like, great. We're going to put you in the waiting room and we're going to see the next Mm -hmm. person and see you after that. It's worth clarifying to people
1: who maybe haven't done this yet or who are maybe doing a DIY version or something. um, Typically, your casting director and your associate will have two different kind of zones. They'll have a waiting room where people are getting ready. They're getting set up. Oftentimes, an associate is double checking that everything is good to go with them before they lo- end up in front of you and that's helpful uh mostly i think for them so that they don't feel like they're embarrassing themselves when they show up on the to the director and it's like oh wait we can see up your nose or whatever like everyone knows they're ready backstage essentially and then they can come on yeah. stage it's like a zoom all... waiting
0: room and also yeah. the casting director can tell everyone in the waiting room by the way don't you know it seems like it should be done in a british accent based on the dialogue but don't do it please don't do it in a british accent. like they can already get the like directions that apply to everyone out of the way so you don't have to waste time telling them which is what people would
1: do you know back in the day the associate would go and like kind of make an announcement to
0: all of the people who were in the waiting room Mm -hmm. Uh, but so yes so you're the director that's a very easy thing you can do right at the beginning tell them where to put the camera even and if the, it's so there's, there's two reasons to do that one so their audition is better but two you're gonna have to sell this
1: tape to other people so if it looks bad even if you can see past it it's, it's hard for other people to your job is to help present actors in the best light and sell them to people who aren't used to working with actors um okay let's go on to number three uh it's okay to ask for a retape or an adjustment but this is kind of similar to your note about Zoom, uh, about uh adjusting bad camera work but um It's worth saying, like, hey, because those first callbacks aren't... um, The first call isn't in real time. We've lost the ability to um, realize, oh, shoot, everyone's doing it in a British accent. And I understand why. Don't do it in a British accent. So it's okay to just be like, hey, everybody, so sorry. We need you to do it without a British accent. Um, And that's really hard because... um, you don't want to waste people's time and and all of that, but but uh, similarly, if you have to just sell it up the chain, you're just you're not giving people their best, the fighting chance that they deserve. If um, if you're just looking at tapes that are wrong, so don't be uh, shy about asking to retape, basically, especially if somebody is close
0: has potential, um, but
1: but needs a, a fixable
0: tweak early on. Yeah, that reminds me and this is I didn't make this note on our list, but a lot of casting directors have told me this and I find it to be true. But if someone just has potential and they're doing the totally wrong thing, like bring them back, just tell them what you don't Mm -hmm. like and see if they can do it the way you like. And nine times out of 10, they won't do it the way you like, but one times out of 10, they'll give you a totally new spin on something and it's worth it. Um, I, I think also callbacks are one of the only forms of feedback,
1: uh, an actor early in their career gets. Right. You know, that's the, the signal to say like, Hey, keep going or you're doing something right. Or, you know, and so I think there's a little bit of, um, community to it as well. Uh, you look, you don't want to waste people's time, but, um,
0: but yeah. a callback is, is a callback can make somebody's week, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, if you know the actors just give them a callback cause, uh, It'll make them look good for their agent, Mm -hmm. even if they're not good. Uh, Number four, what I wrote was to remind the people that you're in the room with, whether it's, you know, the Zoom room or the real room in an audition, what you're hoping to accomplish in the audition. Uh, You know, I think a lot of people think of auditions as like, you know, you're the director and you want to meet these actors and see what they're doing. But uh, in almost every situation, you're not the only person in the mm-hmm. room. If you're it's a mm-hmm. commercial, there might be people from the agency, creatives, writers. If you're working on a short film or a feature, there's probably writers, producers in the room with you if you're working on TV, producers. So make sure like you're not just talking to the actors like it's really important to tell the people you're with like, "Hey, just so you know, this is my plan. I'm going to have them do a take and then I'm just going to adjust them, just going to tell them to do it different." even if their first take was perfect, just because I want to see if they can be directed, you know, Mm -hmm. or tell people like, Hey, remember this is all, this audition is all about seeing if, if they can, you know, go from super happy to super Mm -hmm. sad on a split second. And I'm really going to focus on that. And if, if you all want to see something different, let me know, but otherwise this is what I'm going to focus on. Cause, um, a lot of people that are in the room with you aren't directors and they don't, know how to interact with actors. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, they're not you and they're not mind readers. I say like, Hey, look, I'm going to, if I like them, I'm probably going to do multiple takes. If I don't like them, I'll probably do multiple takes. But, uh, usually after the second take, I'll let them go (coughs) unless I really love them and I feel like they haven't quite hit it yet. Uh, but if you want to see something else, you writer, director, producer, whatever, like, you know, other people that are in Mm -hmm. the room, just yell it out Just say, just after I do my second take, just have them just say something to keep them, because uh, a lot of times you can't tell if the people that are on mm-hmm. your side of the audition are into it or not. Um, so just just communicate with them. It's important and, and it'll make the whole process just much more worthwhile. And they might give you an idea of like something that's important to them. The writer might say, like, I just really want to see like if they can do this super fast dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. and let, let's make sure to get them to do that. Um, and I, I love that.
1: I love that because the um, one that gets everybody on the same page, two that forces you to refocus yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like it it reminds you what you're looking for, what your goals are, what your tactics are. Um, and so, I think that's really great. I think uh, your note about like, um, hey, I'm gonna even if they get it perfect, I'm gonna redirect them. I think is nice for setting expectations because
0: sometimes people just don't know what you're what you're doing or. Mm-hmm. They're like they did it right. Why are you telling them to do it in a sing-songy voice? Yeah. I think furthermore,
1: it's okay to say that to an actor. I wouldn't yeah. say explicitly like, you did that perfectly, and I just want to see you do it differently. But maybe actually, like yeah, I think I say that. All I think the time. if they like nailed it, I love that one. Let's try something different this mm-hmm. time. And then I would say, impress me.
0: Yeah, I'll say that's exactly what I was picturing. But just to try something different, can we do? Mm-hmm. One that's like the opposite that and you and actors aren't dumb. Yeah. I have like most directors, I feel like have this trick up their sleeve, so
1: they know. Also, honestly, I think that smart actors, like savvy actors, come in with two takes.
0: Well, let me tell you if you're an actor and you're in that situation, what I would recommend is just do it the total opposite of what you just did. Um, you know. Sure. Like but that easier said than done is what I'm saying. Yeah. But like literally the most on the nose like if you did it happy and fast, do it slow and dark, you know, mm-hmm. sure. um, enough. do it in a different accent, do it like, um, really breathy. Just change your voice. Just change one mm-hmm. thing and we'll mm-hmm. be like genius. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, this is a good segue to my next one. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, cause number now five. I think I feel uh, number five, uh, make the callbacks your first rehearsal really dig in. Um, and this is something that I've been doing for the last two years, I want to say, and it's been a genuine shift in my audition technique and practice. And it's gone from something that I really kind of dreaded and was a, a kind of like a mo- emotional experience for me where I was just like, God, is this going to work? It was filled with anxiety and dread into something really joyous. And it's just like take uh, in a callback. I tried to give myself nine, 10 minutes with an actor. Use it all. Dig in. Make a, those adjustments. Find new things. Work with that person. Did you not say you need six minutes with an actor? I said that for uh, for the first take. Uh, I guess for callbacks, callbacks I want a little bit more. It, uh, and it also depends. It also depends. Right. Um, But regardless of how much time you have allotted, if you're calling back 45 people, you can't take 10 minutes a person. But if you're calling 10, you, you I think you could. Oh, easily. The point is make the most of it and treat every single person like a collaborator and find things with them and just go for it. Yeah. Um, And it'll be a heck of a lot more fun and more rewarding and valuable to the actors and um, just better in general. So um, that's my, uh, and also honestly, like the results you get are better. Like you just, you come to set, Having rehearsed with them, having worked it out, having thought about what you really loved about what they were doing and how to plus it.
0: Yeah. So. And if you have thoughts on a different take on the script and uh, an actor like, kind of nailed the first take, try out your thought. Yeah. Like for the yeah. second take. Yeah.
1: Truly tr- like part of rehearsing is no admitting that you don't know how to get it perfect just yet. Mm-hmm. That you're going to discover things together. Um, and I think that can be really special and rewarding.
0: So, okay, speaking of special, let's jump to number six, which is uh, what I wrote is your job as a director is to make actors feel comfortable. This is kind of, uh, in my experience, what I've learned over the years, probably like my most important job as a director, more important than deciding where the camera goes or what the lighting is or art direction or wardrobe. It's uh, the most important thing on camera is the actor and you need them to be comfortable so that they can be their best selves, you know, and give them the the best, best performance, most comfortable, most natural. And so to me, this starts in the audition and it's super important. At least the, my style is to like treat them like people that have given up their time. They're not getting paid to be at the audition, given up their time to be there. And so I like, I, and I've talked about this on set, how I treat actors on set, but even in the audition, I like to be super honest about where we are in the audition process. Like I will say, Hey, you're just the first person we're seeing for this role. So we're going to figure it out a little bit. Um, so I apologize if we're not exactly clear on like how, how we're running this audition. Um, I try to never make them feel bad. I always try to find a compliment or something, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make like a little bit of small talk, especially on zoom. I'll say like, Oh, uh, you know, cool window or do you live in Silver Lake? That looks like a Silver Lake apartment. You know, I'll say something just to give them easy Mm -hmm. things to say with no pressure on them. Um, and the most important thing. And honestly, I think one of the hardest things, and I'm curious if you agree is to give them your full attention, uh, like to watch the audition. And I actually usually leave my mic on even because Mm -hmm. I want them to hear me laughing or breathing or just being present because everyone else on a zoom audition has their video camera off. It's just you and this actor and, Mm -hmm. and that their, their job is to like interact with people. And so give them someone to interact with, give them a little bit, even if it's just your, you watching them.
1: That's interesting.
0: I turn my mic off, but I think that for the most part, I'm pretty good I also turn it, it off sometimes, you know, if it's, if I'm loud or, you know, it, it's tricky because on. oftentimes you'll have a slack
1: or a, or a text thread or something mm-hmm. that's pinging that is maybe about the actor, maybe about what lunch is, maybe about how the location that you were planning on shooting fell through. And so there are very pertinent distractions, but for the most part, I, I,
0: um, I can tune all that stuff out. Nice. Um, Well, let's go. I'm going to do number seven. I know we've been alternating, but I'm going to hop in here because I think this order makes more sense. Um, I want to talk real quick about a couple bad habits that I definitely have that I'm working on. And that maybe it can be helpful to point them out. Uh, Well, one bad habit that I don't have, but that is very important is I never comment on the actors. Uh, either by text or in the chat or, uh, out loud. Um, when, when they're there and by the way, don't, don't ever write anything about actors in a zoom chat cause you just don't know if either they're going to no. see it or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I never, never comment about their performance unless it's a compliment, you know, and I never, ever talk about their looks. <laughs> Um, I was doing some casting sessions on a project a few months ago and the creative director was like, you know, I really like your looks. I I'd love to see if we can get you to, to say the line right, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, don't, 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 don't don't. talk about their looks. Like we can talk about their looks like when they're gone, but do not tell someone that they're not a good actor, but you like what they look like. Like Mm -hmm. that is not a compliment, you know? And he thought it was like a compliment. To your
1: earlier point about how you were like trying to make it clear to everyone like, hey, say something if you want (laughs) to jump in. I really love the the sentiment behind that thought and and making sure that it's clear, like that we have some way that people can chime in and say, hey, I would like to see this person again. Let's give them another shot. Mm -hmm. But there is a reason why. Only a handful of of people should be talking to actors. And it's because we are at the very least practiced, but hopefully trained in speaking to actors. And not everyone... Uh, is is necessarily good at that so what you're saying Oren is that like sometimes a, a well-meaning but inexperienced person can say something that accidentally is harm hurtful to a, a sensitive actor right or a, a vulnerable actor i should say because i all think it's just like respecting
0: human beings too you sure, know like sure like don't say to them something that you wouldn't say to a person you just met a hundred percent
1: but but i guess just to give that person the benefit of the doubt the the work that we are doing does require you to treat people in a way that is slightly different than you would personally. Like you don't ever decide to be friends with someone based off of their look fitting in with an ensemble of the rest of your friends, right. for instance, right? But you do have to do that when you're casting, right? So you have to be a little bit more Abrasive sometimes with your language, you know, and that can be something as simple as like, well, we've already got three redheads, so we can't have another one. That would be hurtful to say to someone in real life. No, right. But you also wouldn't tell an actor that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But um I, I am saying that because the the work requires you to have those thoughts and conversations it's an easy enough mistake to accidentally say something that crosses a line,
0: um, because you're in a different mindset. Yeah. Basically. I mean, and in that situation, it's not okay. I, it's I literally not okay, but, just, but, you know, yeah. After the actor, I just mentioned as in general, Hey, I think it's just best if we like, don't talk to the right. actors about their looks. Um, right. And I think that, that we are experienced
1: because we've probably said some things that have accidentally oh, hurt people's yeah. feelings. Right. Yeah. Um, that we know better for sure. But so. Yeah, don't you, tell I, people
0: their baby's ugly. I'm <laughs> telling you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, okay. Let's hop on to my last to two bad habits. Yeah. Um, Not cutting actors soon enough. I like mm-hmm. give everyone two takes because I just feel so guilty that they waited because I'm an hour late to get an audition and then they get like two seconds. So I'm I kind of that's a bad habit i have uh it, you should if someone is just totally wrong you should not waste their time or yours yeah i mean i guess my trick is like i'll be like oh that was awesome you totally nailed the beat like 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 i love i love your take on the beginning like let's just pick up the end like just the last three lines like let's mm-hmm. see if you can do this like really that's fast. not bad that's not bad just um, to, to get a shorter the, version <laughs> the worst is when i'll be like
1: uh they do one take and i'm like hey great thank you so much Mm-hmm.
0: God, yeah. I, it felt bad just saying it right then. I know. I feel rejected. <laughs> it's, it's like so heartbroken. <laughs> um yeah, I don't I, I always I always say something. Like or I'll like I mean I'm so bad. I'll be like, so um would you shave for this? You know, like yeah that's not cool that's not cool that that's <laughs> so that's are you leading someone on can you go yeah, yeah. Dude, <laughs> i'm sorry dude, that is truly
1: not cool do you want to be my
0: other short it, film
1: we're talking about it's a fine line i'm t- you're you're joking but like um you don't want to lead an actor on to make them believe that they're going to get the role unless you really really are confident that they're the one and everyone's going to agree like if you look around you 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 know, all of the decision makers are in the room and they're all like nodding emphatically and making direct eye contact with you. Mm. Then maybe you can throw that person a little bit of a bone, but like you shouldn't, you shouldn't build it up. They're just making the, the heartbreak even worse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I I try to not let people think they got the role, but I don't mind letting them feel like they might be in the money. Um, Anyway, the other thing, the other problem. <laughs> that's a soft disagree from me. Or <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's fine.
1: I have the opposite problem. Sometimes someone will come in and they'll literally do a perfect read and we'll be behind and I'll be like, awesome. You nailed it. Thank you so much. Um, see you later. Yeah. And I, readers have been like, did you like that guy? And I'll be like, yeah, I thought they were great. They're in the running. They're, he's my number three. Yeah. And they'll be like, that person
0: thinks they bombed. <laughs> yeah. With me, every actor thinks they got the role. But I think I'd rather them leave the audition happy and then like not worry about what happens to them down the line. You want to ruin their weekend. So so my other problem is I just like I'm actually way better at this now. But in the beginning, I used to just over direct all the actors and be like, and then on this line, say this. And what we're looking for here is that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just like really don't like hey, first take, let's see what you got. Second take, like, ooh, let's, you know, adjust these two things at most. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where, and we talk about this with Tony in an
1: upcoming episode, that's where like active verbs are really helpful for me because they're really concise and really change things in a big way. You're probably not going to be able to fine tune a performance, but if you can be like, okay, in this last one, you really uh, did a great job of impressing me. This This time I need you to convince me. That to me is like a really streamlined way to get at the heart of what's important about the performance in an efficient way. If they don't nail that, they're probably not going to nail the fine tuning anyway.
0: Yeah. I was not convinced that this toilet plunger has, is the number one recommended dentist recommended toilet plunger.
1: Or, and I'm really impressed
0: by you right now though. (laughs) Thanks. Um,
1: Okay. What's the last one? Number eight. Uh, so the last one, so after you've uh, done all the hard work of uh, building up dreams and breaking hearts and mm-hmm. you've uh, uh, fought hard to like figure out who your very favorite people are, um, you typically in commercials or any other circumstance where there are other stakeholders, whether that's your producers on your your short film or the studio or whomever, um, you know, you send along, you know, your your top picks, basically probably your recommendation, your number one, and maybe a few backups. Um, and I like to really make sure that I tell them why I love the people, tell them why they're going to love the people. Right. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes they haven't been sifting through all of the other performances. So they don't know that like, Oh, this is the only person who really understood the joke or, The only person who really brings this level of humanity or whatever, you can get a little flowery, but sell them. Um, Mm -hmm. It'll help you fall in love with their performance a little bit more, right? You're seducing yourself, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, uh, we'll get them on board and get them excited, right? Um, And to that end, I've evolved on this as well. I used to mostly just be positive, but every once in a while, you'll find somebody who's really special or interesting or unique, but their first take is really weird or there's a lot of traffic noise or there's something, it's okay to call that out in your write-up as well. Say, hey, listen, I know that they are not the type that we were looking for. I know that it's a different direction. This is a wild card, but hear me out. This is why they're good. They're the only person who got the joke. Or "I, I was surprised. I watched 200 of these tapes, you guys. And this is the only one with this take. And I it, i really sparked to it. it. You don't have to sugarcoat everything. You can be authentic with people and calling out any strangeness or weirdness or an anomaly only strengthens, strengthens your argument.
0: Right. And what I find with other people, especially in commercials, but I'm sure this happens in like student films and short films and other uh, mediums as well, is that the non-director in the room will base their decisions like a lot of times on looks Mm -hmm. and you just really have to, as the director convince people, you you just have to cast the best actors. Mm -hmm. uh, And you
1: have to explain what to look for.
0: Yeah. Help them see what you see. Right. Yeah. And I love, there's kind of two types of actors I like to cast, which is just like natural, like, Mm-hmm. People that were just born being good actors, you know, mm-hmm. they have every angle on them looks good. They have a naturalness. They're comfortable. They're at ease. They're not stressed out. They're not like rocking back and forth in their audition. Um, those are kinda, All of which you don't have to be born with, frankly. I think that's all teachable. Yes. Yeah. But I guess you'll you'll hear why I call them that. that. But people that are basically natural actors from, uh, that, you know, that are relatively new- Or very experienced actors. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like casting people that have just started acting recently, but that are not naturals, that are rocking back and forth, that are, you know, messing up the script quite a lot, um, that are, uh, you know, not understanding eye lines or marks or lighting um, because I want them to learn on someone else's set, you know? Mm -hmm. I want to get them when the technical stuff is all out of the way and we get to work on the performance instead of hitting marks or picking up cues or whatever. And sometimes I'll try to use a a little directory speak just to see if they understand it. Uh, like I will say like, you know, that like, like give me a beat, you know, after this, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, 99 out of a hundred actors will know what that means when you say, give me a beat, but if they don't, you instantly like know that this person has not been on a set before. The the The
1: term that I will use is anticipate. Mm. Um, like, oh, you anticipated that beat. Let's try it again. Right. Um, which is kind of an, a way of getting at naturalism. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's uh, it's typically, I use it all the time. It'll be something where it's like, you know, a character is talking and then, you know, there's an explosion behind them if they're playing the reaction to the explosion before the explosion goes off, Mm -hmm. that is bad. That is, uh, that's anticipating and that doesn't feel natural. That doesn't feel authentic and is, is contrary to the shape of the scene. Right. Um, and so if someone understands that, that typically means that they have enough training and understanding to, um, to get me through the shoot.
0: Yeah. I mean, kind of a corollary to that is like another red flag, with an actor is when they are not listening, they're only set doing their parts sure. and waiting for the next time they get to do their parts. Uh, that's like a sign of someone that has not acted a lot, especially in film and TV. That's one of the things I will call out in um, my notes to producers,
1: actually. Uh, I um, the, the things I'm almost always calling out is like, are they pretty funny? But that's obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, are they listening? And are they pushing? Those are kind of the three things. Because I think sometimes pushing, um, which is another version of just unnatural or, or performative, can be a little appealing, especially in commercials. It's, if it's like, wow, I love this cereal. Can you believe how good this cereal is? And it's sort of maybe even written with that cadence in mind. Mm-hmm. If someone can break that and and make that feel good and natural, explicitly pointing that out, reminds me and reminds all other parties that, Oh, this is what we're looking for. This is what we're aiming for. This is what is good.
0: Yeah. And I hope this next thing I say isn't too offensive, but I really like smart actors and I'll, I'll write that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. in what my do you notes.
1: mean by smart, smart actors?
0: Like they just get it. Like when you say, you know, either they have a good question about the script or you, you, you can talk to them and you feel like, they're on the same wavelength as you mm-hmm. Where, Yeah. yeah where you're, you're like, Hey, you know, that second part when, you know, you say this thing and they'll be like, yeah, uh, you know, like, is there another way we can do that? And, the, and seeing them think like, yeah, I mean, I guess I could do that. Do like a really slow, you know, I, I just want to see people that think about what they're doing. Um, yeah. which kind of goes against my note on loving, like naturals. There are some people that they're best when they don't think mm-hmm. and there's something like magical about them. But most I'll, people, like yeah. you said, like got to be good actors cause they studied acting.
1: Uh, you know, what's tricky about naturals is that, um, and you find this sometimes with stand-ups, they've got really great instincts. They know what's funny or they know what's interesting or they understand the structure of the scene. But, um, oftentimes training is in, Not just script analysis, that's the part that maybe they get because they're just smart and, and you know, get it quote unquote. Um, but it's the ability to pivot and craft a performance based off of different instructions. And so sometimes naturals, the more you touch the performance, the faster it falls apart. And that can be Mm -hmm. tricky. I've cast plenty of people where it's like, oh, dang. Use their first take because the more I say, the worse it gets, yep. you know? Yeah.
0: And very I, common. I
1: think sometimes I think that is, sometimes that's just me being, doing a bad job. But I think sometimes that has to do with training as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good actors will not get worse with more direction. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Or experienced actors at least. Yeah. 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 Experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can do a real quick unpaid endorsement. Let's do it.
1: Unpaid endorsements. I've got one unpaid endorsement, and it is a the sparkling water company Nixie. Do you know this company? N i x i e. No. They're great. It's like if you want a little bit more flavor than Lacroix, um, and I especially love their ginger and mint sparkling water. is delicious. It's got plenty of flavor, but like isn't sugary or uh, filled with like artificial flavors or anything. It's like a pretty natural alternative to soda that is much more satisfying and much better for you.
0: So Nixie N I X I E. That's great. I am not armed with a great endorsement. So I'm just going to mention the place I had dinner at last night. (laughs) So last night I ate at triple beam pizza. We talked about triple beam before. Um, like a hundred times,
1: maybe have not, but, uh, I'm a Nancy Silverton devotee. So,
0: yeah. So Nancy Silverton, she's famous chef. She had a restaurant Moza with Mario Batali, uh, I guess, I mean, I guess she still has it before that, you know, she had, um, La Brea uh, Bakery, La Brea Bakery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think one of her, her cookbooks, uh, I I think of that name, the La Brea Bakery mm-hmm. cookbook or something is very famous. Anyway, One she's,
1: might argue that she's the reason that we have semi-decent bread in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah.
1: I there's a very strong argument for that.
0: Um, yeah. So she has a pizza place. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously the crust is very delicious. It's, uh, it be pre pandemic. It was a it, uh, Roman style where you would mm-hmm. show them with your fingers, how long of a piece of pizza you want. And they would and cut they, it with pizza scissors. Yeah. Um, and they only have like 10 different configurations of pizza, you know, a mushroom one, a, mm-hmm. there's this zucchini honey one. That's just oh like insane. Oh my God. It's and so my good. wife, I'm always like, let's order like just two slices of each. And she gets so mad at me. She's like, we should have just gotten all the zucchini honey one, which sounds so weird. I don't like honey. On pizza, and I'm not a huge fan of zucchini, but it is so delicious. Um, even their pe- their regular pizza, like you know, cheese pizza, is amazing. And they have these salads, these Greek salads, cucumbers, tomatoes, feta, and olives that are just so good. So you like, I'd highly recommend you go and order like twice as much as what you need. It's mm-hmm. Relatively inexpensive, and then you can just eat it like all the next day. So my last three meals have been triple bean pizza. <laughs> life is good but there was a salad there uh you know my kids like it and if you actually go to the restaurant which i highly recommend the one in highland park they have a water dispenser and also like a carbonated water dispenser which is kind of fun you can just get soda water or this was fun let's take it home well, awesome. Well, I think we'd love to hear your thoughts on casting, um, what you guys do, any tips and tricks you have. Please email us at justshootitpod at gmail dot com. You can send us a message on at at justshootitpod on Instagram or me. I'm um, at okaplan on Instagram or at smittypiling on Twitter. You can DM
1: me. Uh, so you can follow me at Mr Matt Enlow across all social media. And you're listening to music by the Free Music Archive and the artists are. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.